I was birthed in a C-section. Helicopter police presence. We got ops, so we keep weapons. Yo, y'all block while y'all eat breakfast. A lot of shots, we broke street records. Watch how you talk, I got reflexes. Watching your cheap necklace. Then we slide at the east. All right, folks, you thought we were done, but that's not real. We're back live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to episode 98 of How You Living. And we got a guest today. What's up, guest? That's true. Live in studio is our friend, a former podcast guest, Nick Ackerman. What's Science up? and education correspondent. Sure. I'm not teaching anymore, but I still like it. <laughs> You're still our science and education correspondent. We oh, we, mm-hmm. we don't check credentials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not like left, right, and center on KCRW Radio. What is this? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as always, Chaz is sitting there live atop the Chaz Tower, uh, newly constructed Chaz Tower in the Million Dollar Studios. Uh, price is going up. It's going to be the billion dollar studio soon. <laughs> and uh, I'm here in the just paid rent studios. I'm six days away from paying rent. So <laughs> soon to pay rent studios. <laughs> and uh, this is How You Live In episode. It's been so long, I forgot again. 98. Uh, ni- yes. Is it 98? It is 98. Ah, 98. Solid yeah. year, man. You got it. That's when I graduated high school in 98. Dang, I wasn't uh, even in high go. school in 98. <laughs> I'm fighting 98. Uh, so yeah, here we are, folks, in uh, what would be uh, late October, uh, the scariest time of year. Because <laughs> of Halloween, <laughs> not the election. Hitting towards Halloween. <laughs> also, you know, you're most likely to, to, to trigger a, a diabetic shock because of all the candy you're going to find out there. <laughs> uh, that's where we are. And as always... This show doesn't run off the rails like I just did already. It usually starts with a very specific question to my friend and now additional friend. Uh, so straight first to Chaz. How you living? You know what? Pretty well. Um, so like the, the phrase I would say is I think I've, I've found my comfort in the pandemic. I think I've gotten used to it, which, which kind of sucks because we weren't able to be whole grown ass adults about the pandemic. So now we have to like become comfortable with the weirdness of it right and 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 i still don't really go anywhere but i am noticing like at the beginning of it i was so prepared to just like do all my exercise in my house get everything delivered to me do not make myself a vector do not go anywhere right and now people are like going out hanging out like getting tests so they can hang out with people so it's it's interesting to see where we're at like eight months into this thing um and without really knowing where it's going to end but hoping that there's a vaccine on the horizon which is a right. come see, come saw kind of moment, I feel. But overall, yeah, I'm a, not bad. In, in a matter of weeks, you know, according to Trump, you know, and uh, he, he never lies. So. I mean, but he always oh, be about that bullshit. So that's just like Trumpism 101. Like, let me just say something vague and have it pinpoint what I want and hope there to be in order to deflect something, something off of my ass so nobody asks me things like directly or more in depth about it. Like, yeah, so... I mean, we might get it, but would I take a a vaccine that we get like before the end of the year? Nah, <laughs> nah. I can still socially isolate, right? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm sorry, other people. I want to see how it affects you first before I be like, put it in my body. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, a good, it's a good plan. 
<laughs> I think that everybody's going to be I like this is going to go on longer than when there's a, a, a vaccine. Like obviously mm-hmm. you're going to have those people who want to be hanging out right now and of course they'll be hanging out then, but the people who are isolating right now, they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, it's safe to go out." I think are still going to be like, mm, "I I'm going to give it a couple months, you know, just like you said." Yeah, it and you know, we're going to have uh, a, a eventually we're going to have a few different types of vaccines and mm-hmm. stuff. So you're you're going to have kind of the the need to go talk to a health professional and find out, you know, which of the vaccines is is most appropriate for you and they all have different styles of delivery methods. That's mm-hmm. kind of the uh the patenting process that these these companies have is uh is in their delivery mechanisms. So so you know, the other the other issue though, so I'll get back to that in a second. Um, for a vaccine to work, everyone's got to take it, you know. So that's the right. problem. I was the the herd immunity is really only going to work once like a greater percentage of the population takes the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and then yeah. so those delivery methods. What do you mean? Like some are rectal so- or something? <laughs> I mean, oh, that, hey. that technically would would be a, a, a type. I don't, I don't know how popular that one's going to be, but uh, yeah, no. Well, the, if it works, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it, it's, it's basically whatever mechanism they use to envelop the actual uh, vaccine itself, uh, and then kind of similar to how you can take, you know, gel caps or uh, you know, like a, a compressed. You know, shot compressed or shot. Yeah. So the different types of um, and then beyond that, there's kind of new sciences as far as how um, certain materials can adhere to uh, the chemicals and the things so they can kind of they can kind of develop different um, delivery mechanisms. And then most of the time what that does is it it decides where in the body you're going to actually transfer it to your bloodstream. Mm. Um, you know, yep. for certain certain things you want, you know, earlier in the system, basically starts dissolving in the mouth through the esophagus down to the stomach. Other things you actually want it to kind of live in the stomach for a little bit so that it makes its way down to the, the lower digestive areas. Um, and so those different delivery mechanisms are being utilized in this vaccine um, study. So, uh, and, you know, there's there's even beyond that, there's certain like even more kind of molecular design structure things um, in in uh, modern medicine that can be applied. Uh, from what I know, you know, it's an all hands on deck. There's probably 30 companies working on a vaccine right now, and you you probably hear about the top five, mm-hmm. but ultimately you're gonna you're gonna have kind of a a whole smorgasbord out there. Um, but no, you're right. The effectiveness of it is based on who takes it. And, and, uh, and you know, also, we, we already know of two strands, major strands of COVID-19. It, you know, it, the, each strain is going to be yeah. mm-hmm. needed to, to be affected by this, this vaccine. Which so is, to I talk guess, about that specifically, because right now, like there, like, there has been a lot of mutations with the virus, but most of the mutations don't really change how it actually works. Um, but the two strains right now, the one that the early Wuhan strain and then the one that developed in Europe, the thing that's different about it is the the one that's more um, contagious, has more of the proteins 
that are needed to interlock with the different parts of the body that COVID-19 actually affects. Right. Gotcha. Um, so, so right now, ideally, um, whatever vaccine that they're putting out there, um, it, since it, they said that it doesn't, um, basically evolve with each person that it goes into enough for it to like the flu where the WHO has to sit down and say, what flu vaccine are you going to be, um, inoculated against this season? It doesn't seem like it's going to have that issue. Um, but definitely there are still questions about like how long, is the vaccine going to last? Like it's, it's not up to the point where it's going to be a flu vaccine where you need to get one shot. It seems like you're going to need to get a shot and then another shot. And then also if people have time to watch it um, on Netflix, the explain people did a whole video series on the pandemic and what they would need. And then they did talk about like the three different types of vaccines you can create. Um, I don't know if it matches what vaccines.gov has, and they have four total, which is like live attenuated vaccines, which is a weakened version of the virus, inactive vaccines, which is a dead version of the virus. And then these big words that I'm probably going to butcher is a subunit, recombinant, um, polysaccharide, and con conjungulate, see, I mean, uh, vaccines. And that deals with stuff like being in the blood and, let me see, or, Co or specifically. Co coagulate, probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then, like, and what the... And I think the recumbent ones, those I think that's the style of like the the flu vaccines. I think those are the ones where we develop in like uh, in like eggs or something like that. I think. So if I use this website, um, they give examples. So examples of live attenuated vaccines are the MMR vaccine, measles, mumps, rubella, rotavirus, smallpox, chickenpox, and yellow fever. For um, in active vaccines, that's hepatitis A flu, but the shot only, polio, but the shot only, and rabies, and then the subunit recombinant polysaccharide and conjugate vaccines, um, Hib, which is a hemophilus influenzaate type B disease, hepatitis B, HPV, whooping cough, uh, pneumococcal disease, meningococcal disease, and shingles, right? And then the last one is toxoid vaccines, which it actually has to put something harmful in you in order to get it to work, and diphtheria and tetanus uses that type. And I'm getting this right. stuff from vaccines.com. And, 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 and the recombinant uh, type of vaccine, actually, I just looked it up, is not. It's, it's the opposite. It's mm -hmm. not using eggs. Mm -hmm. It's the type that doesn't use eggs, which is uh, rare in the flu. Most of the flu ones are the egg ones, but mm -hmm. I guess there's one called cell culture-based flu. So... That's kind of what we're talking about, like when I was saying the different styles. There's, there's now like we've gone so far as to like develop these cellular kind of materials and things, mm -hmm. and, and they'll have qualities of what they bind to. And um, you know, this summer, kind of, I was looking into investing in these type of things, so I did a little bit of research oh, and nice. was finding, yeah, the because certain like like I was saying, the lower intestinal and stuff, they kind of need it to. To, to survive through the the digestion process to get down into that area and then and and they're considering using you know any of these methods just dependent on uh, how well it, and then there was another one that I, I'd have to kind of look it up the technology is that the the virus the vaccine itself uses your own body to kind of evolve mm. and it it actually creates Ooh. kind of a more generic form of antibody that can fight multiple strains of things and so oh, they're hopeful 
that yeah that they're going to be that this type of virus since it, it is so readily able to mutate or evolve that that it might be a, a style of vaccine that um that we'll see um the so research think, on it is a lot slower though because mm-hmm. that, yeah so that's developing so, so i think what fact, so that's developing a vaccine using you know people who have gotten sick take the antibodies that their own body created is that what you're, you're saying that's and that's another one. So that yeah, that okay. usually goes into so you you kind of you combat these type pandemics usually from two fronts. You combine the the vaccine front and then you have the after they've been affected therapy front. And so the the kind of blood transfusion, white blood cell, all those kind of thing, uh, the or plasma um, gathering technologies. That's usually a therapy. So that's usually finding healthy people who survived a situation and produce a certain antibody, and then through their plasma, you can um, inject or saline drip or whatever, uh, enter that um, material into an affected person's body. And it has had uh, you know, different effects. It, it definitely was a technology used against the, uh, the Spanish flu. The, the last year, the Spanish flu, that was one of the the methods for people who were essentially it's their last option you're like you're really dying of of lung deterioration and all these things it's kind of the like well let's try this let's give you some healthy blood essentially and uh it it did help you know to an effect so that is something that they're expecting to use a little more as we go forward i wonder if that plays into because trump did get um antibody therapy now i think uh, yeah. I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember it was noted that the antibodies that he got were synthetically created. But based uh-huh. on their research from the antibodies that individuals have gotten uh, from those who have gotten COVID and recovered from it, they've taken those, synthesized them, and then are like, it's still in development. It hasn't gone through like, you know, FDA trials and anything like that, but it was experimental. And it's presumably one of the things that helped um the president not have uh, like a severe need to be on a respirator for weeks on end sort of bout with it uh but based on the misinformation and us not understanding like when he potentially got sick like how long was the duration of his virus was he shedding virus being very unclear about how often he was tested when he got tested and if he's tested negative now because i still haven't heard explicitly that the president tested negative and so Uh, but I mean, he said it. Yeah, we haven't seen it, but yeah, he mm-hmm. said it uh, during the debates, which we can get to. Mm. Um, and and uh, you know, actually, kind of in the in the reflection of the birther movement, uh, let me see those COVID tests. Yeah, you know? I yeah. Wanna see, I want to see the positive test because mm-hmm. there's still some conspiracy there, um, and I want to see these negative tests. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, you know, the pandemic, a, a year that will never be forgotten, you yeah. know, and uh, it'll be interesting going into 2021. Um, you know, I'm kind of at this point in time, given the nature of this pandemic and what we've been through and what we've seen, I'm 50-50 on whether or not we get back to any normalcy next year. I, I don't think this is something we're going to live with forever. I do think mm-hmm. the threat of pandemics is something we'll live with forever. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think we'll get on the other side of COVID-19 at some point. But 
I'm starting to wonder if if 2021 is not a similar year in um, in how we're going to have to conduct ourselves, uh, just given the nature of this this disease or infection. Mm-hmm. So, um, time will tell. Well, well, the the schools of our Seattle public schools are uh, officially staying um, all virtual until January. Liz just told me this the other day, but uh, it's probably going to be all year. You know. So it's get, all year, meaning to the end of June. Right. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Right. Yeah, and a lot of places, a lot of the tech companies are also taking, like, July, home. August as their comeback dates. And a lot of people are just embracing, like, the work-from-home stuff, too. So it's definitely, I, I definitely think you're you're going to, like, the status quo that came before, you're going to see some reflections of it in the status quo that comes after. But like to reiterate what Mikkel said, I don't think it's going to be 100% of yeah. what we had previously. By the way, um, I, I think I did a pretty bad job with science correspondent because you guys just taught me a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to do my research. <laughs> Uh, uh, but you're here for us if we need to remember the order of the planets. So we got you. you know? I can do that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but but do you still count Pluto in your heart, or you're like hyperbelt? Oh. Fuck you. I'm, 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 down for, I'm down for Pluto and Sirius. Why not? They're, they're, they're both dwarf planets. <laughs> He's out here for Planet X. That's where the evidence of the JFK assassination actually resides <laughs> right? on Planet X right oh, now. I love Planet X. Like I really, I was yeah. like so excited. I was like, "There's another planet!" Like yeah. I was, uh, I hate that that was wasn't true. But anyway, oh, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, with that, I I mean, let's let's touch on a little bit of this uh, debate we just had. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. You know, sp- speaking of Nick not doing his research, I'm just gonna. <laughs> well, have you seen? Have you have you heard anything of it or seen any of the clips? If not, you can just kind of play no, on I, the uh, the generality. I, I I'm sure I can do that. I, I heard some clips. I saw some things. You know. Okay. So but. I watched it. Um. You know. I. Uh, it, <laughs> there's certain moments. There. Like I like. I always like the dumbest things. Like at one point, I liked there was a back and forth where uh, Joe had a a fact that he wanted Trump to elicit and he's like joe goes you put that on your website and trump goes i'll put it on my website and joe goes yeah you put that on your website and i just thought that was a funny back and forth for a uh for a debate yeah uh, that sounds like a know. fifth grade <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well, do Lou, why don't you one yeah. of you yeah uh, i did think the muting of the microphones was effective oh yeah yeah. Oh, that, that's what we were talking about before. I was like, I hope it was better than the first one. Oh, yeah. You know, at least in the structure, you know? To no, be honest that, with you, that, I didn't watch the first been one. A standard already. Yeah. You know? Yep. <clears throat> but as far as the meat and potatoes of it, um, you know, uh, <laughs> to be, you know, perfectly honest, both candidates still come across as like two terrible candidates. Like, Joe, Joe's a good enough human being. Like, like obviously he's the as far as this show, you know, we endorse Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 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 the Democratic candidate. He's the closest progression. Um, and uh, you know, we need to eliminate Trump. I I mean, if anything, uh, you know, if Trump doesn't get elected, this podcast might end. We might not have anything to talk about. 
So, and so even despite our own uh, livelihoods as a podcast, uh, we're we're pro Biden. Um, that being said, you know he 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 seems to to get drawn into the the tornado that is Trump too too much, and and gets drawn into responding, and then he kind of like halfway through clicks into his message to the American people, and it almost comes off so haphazard where he does the like look at the camera and be like i'm doing this for you and like point at the camera like oh he's talking to me um but that being said god nobody's a bigger idiot than trump holy cow uh agree <laughs> i mean i think biden like one i do think so being somebody who's more leftist and after like doing this research um for like four years, I feel like no matter who gets elected, it's time for more like grassroots level centric action and like actually using federalism to its advantage and like going through and building state level policies and city level policies that you want to see the outcomes that you want to see for the America that you want to live in. Right. And that's going to matter whether Trump is president or, or not. But when it comes to like the high level status quo of uh, what federal policies are going to impact the most people adversely or um, in a way that will benefit them. Um, Joe Biden is the person that at least is going to get you to a status quo where you shouldn't be comfortable, but at least you're not going to have the overarching anxiety of what is the Trump uh, Trump administration going to do next that is going to try to affect my life. And right. and I think that's the primary reason why you vote Biden in now. But you should never stop being critical of Biden. You should definitely be be critical of the Democratic establishment because they like you. And I don't want to be like they they do nothing right. But like, are they going to put forth the policies of the things you want, or are you going to have to have more grassroots things? And that's why, like me personally, when before we get back to the debate, like that's why I look at ranked choice voting as the thing I want at a state level. And then looking at probably joining the Seattle People's Party to see what they want to do at the city level, the, the, enact, the impact and change I want to see around me. So, yeah. Right. And, and getting back to the debate. So, yeah, like, I mean, this debate had Trump saying things like wind power is worse for the environment than coal and oil. Uh, he, 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 he trumped the, uh, the, the quality of our uh, natural gas. Um, you know, it's it's uh, he I mean, <laughs> the most environmental statement he's ever said is that wind power kills birds. So, I mean, <laughs> at least he's aware of that one negative impact of uh, of wind power that it, it is a truth. It is it is a problematic for migrating birds and specifically, actually, in certain areas, bats. Uh, but uh, yeah, it 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 was a lot of a lot of hearsay from him. Um you know, uh, he he definitely r r got Joe through the coals with the whole you've been there for 46 years. So anytime Joe says he wants to do something, he just said, why didn't you already do it? Um, you know, he blames Obama for buying the cages for the kids. Uh -huh. uh, I didn't know. I didn't know Obama purchased the cages. So I <laughs> I mean, Obama was the deporter in chief. But overall, like we've like we've been reporting on Trump for almost four years, and this debate it was nothing new from Trump. Like Trump, like Trump's mo is pretty simple. Trump has his constituency that got him elected by seventy-seven thousand votes in three states. 
in order for him to keep his popularity with them, he's always going to do things that signal to them. So when it comes to things like the Green New Deal, the GOP, and overall gain a lot of they have they have a lot of value in Lizzie natural energy. So like whenever they talk about energy as a generalized statement, they mean oil, they mean coal, they mean natural gas. So anything that he's going to say is going to try to deflect from the step. Like for them, it's if you want to generate energy, you need to use these things. And for people who say, I want to generate energy, but I also want to save the planet, so I want to use these methods. So there's always going to be the dueling there, and hopefully you have the person that can communicate the differences, and Trump is just going to obfuscate and tell lies through everything that he does. But Joe Biden right. at least was saying, like, yeah, no, we understand this is killing the planet, and we need to move past them. And now the comment on, you were there for 47 years and you didn't get anything done. See, what the fuck is that statement supposed to even mean, right? That statement is so broad and bullshit. Like, if you're listening to that and you thought, oh, I can think of all the things that he hasn't done, then you're not being critical of what he's done, right? Because, like, he did pass the crime bill and that's something he did and that had an adverse impact on people that he now recognizes. Right. So right. when he mentioned in the debate that like he wants to take away the drug courts, when he understands that the drug courts doesn't allow for people to like having the right impact of those things like that was good. Like personally, I think that Joe Biden crushed the debate because he actually said things that were reasonable and actionable. But I think as a leftist being suspect of what the Democrats are going to do with power, presumably of the amount of like involvement I see from people from the numbers and just like my own anecdotal circle places, they're going to need to be held to task. Like if they don't do their shit, you protest, right? If they don't right. do their shit, you well, call them out. All right. So well, and it's the, the Trump, the Trump playbook, the Republican playbook is, you know, ignore my mistakes. They didn't actually happen. I don't know who that woman is. Uh, you know, and and so for Joe, like you said, to recognize mistakes he's made, not backing away from him, saying, yeah, I mm -hmm. was part of the crime bill. And at the time, the information we had, uh, we thought that we were doing what's right. Now, did he go above and beyond and had certain statements like his super predator statement and things like that? Yes. And he needs to, you know, atone for that. But at least he's recognizing it. And I do have to look at, you know, politicians as a sample of us as people. And we do make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We do have problematic opinions and we do have the ability and capability in society to learn from those things and to then step back the rhetoric and, and, and hopefully move forward. You know, I mean, I'm sure he, he doesn't, uh, or appreciate some of the questions he asked Anita Hill during the Clarence Thomas confirmation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think he, he does have, but that's one of the things of having a 47 year service record is there's going to be speed bumps along the way. And it's whether you pretend like they weren't there or whether you look back and, 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 and discuss how you think it could have been done and how you want to do it in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you see in a Biden uh, statement versus a, a Trump statement. Uh, what from the clips did you see, Nick? That uh, what what stood out and kind of or what what was a highlight that was kind of broadcast on the internet? Oh, did we lose him? Yeah, and we can't hear you at the moment. We'll have to edit so, this part out, but we'll, you might have to we'll, take we'll yourself. Check, we'll check back in with our our correspondent, Nick. Oh, um, nope. so we'll get, we'll get his idea on it. But it, it definitely. Um, it definitely had a uh, a lot of a lot of emotional up and down, um, and 
and I definitely I don't know it it operated better. The moderator was uh, was okay. <laughs> you know, she did what she could. What 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 makes you moving. say that she was okay? I mean, uh, I don't know. I think maybe it was just the emotion of the whole thing. It's I, the debates these days. Like, I, I think back to, uh, you know, the the debates of the past, like. And and I and I, I remember the the Bush Gore ones and I remember Obama McCain and like it you know it just it it actually felt more like two people who deserve the opportunity to to run and have actual like opinions gathered from that mm-hmm. and I don't know the whole the Trump Trump just changes the whole mood of everything. And I know it's probably it probably reflects a little bit on the moderator to me is basically she has to kind of corral Trump. And so maybe that makes it seem more of like a circus than it actually is. It's just it's the it's the the reality of, of having a Trump in there. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't have any specific criticism for her. But if I, um, I actually do have one specific criticism for her. And that is when, because I think, because the moderators are allowed to design their own questions and what they want to ask to the, to the candidates up there. And I think a lot of times, similar to what Savannah Guthrie did kind of in her interview style with his um, town hall, is that like when he said something that was broad or vague, she challenged it a little bit. She made him explain themselves. And Trump never did a good job of explaining themselves. And I think those who can listen to Trump and be critical about him will hear that. And those who think Trump is like the all-God hero that needs to save everyone will just say he did a good job of deflecting and not answering it. But the one criticism I do have of her is where nobody, Joe Biden or her, didn't challenge him when he said, oh, um, like when he started making statements about immigrants coming and saying like they came with the coyotes and everything. And then he's like, oh, but if we do catch and release the ones with the low IQ, will be the ones that come back because IQ in and of itself is already Roth in the incision, um, like in, from incentralizing intelligence in that certain way and been used to demoralize race as a construct anyway. And nobody said, well, what the fuck do you mean by that? So that would be my one criticism. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the, we've got what, we've got about a week and a couple of days till the actual, uh, ballot get put in i mean definitely there's a lot already out there yeah i was gonna say and, november uh, 3rd this year did you guys vote yet i voted oh yeah i voted I did vote. welcome back nick <laughs> so yeah what what was something that stood out to you from that debate before we move on from that convo uh I what, just did, what did to, you come across what well <laughs> the reason i didn't watch it is i already knew who i was voting for four years ago but <laughs> besides the point um i was gonna say talking about you know, energy and, and, you know, coal and oil versus um, the things that we need moving forward, the the clean energy. I think that's a great analogy for what we have right now as far as our political system, which I see three. There's the right, there's the middle, and then there's the left, you know? So what we're going to need when we do this energy switch is it can't be overnight. It can't be what the left wants. And in many ways, I am the left, and I'd love it to be overnight. But there's a lot of people who have jobs, you know, with coal and oil and natural gas. I know many in particular who are Trump supporters just for that reason, because that's their livelihood, you know, and I can understand where they're coming from. So in the center, what we got, hopefully, if uh, Biden wins, is a slow 
change. And hopefully it's faster than as slow as it's been so far. But we need to get out of the oil and coal people's uh, fucking pocket. pockets. Yeah. Yep. And, and also, I like what you said before, McKelly. Like, he really raked him over the coals for that. I was like, ah, good one. Good one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, Trump's like, yeah. I wanted that. I love coal. Thank you for bringing me across those. That's that's the type of energy I like to be a part of. <laughs> the other thing I think is is what is the rest of the world thinking about the United States right now? Is they're watching? It's a joke. Uh, well, that's an interesting question. I think I think it depends on which country you're talking about. I think if you're a Westernized democracy, you 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 you, you think it's laughable. You go see these are the guys who are always arguing with us at the UN and always kind of pressuring us to go to these like police actions and skirmishes and wars. And look at them, they can't even keep their own house in order. Uh, I do think if you're a dictator or a, <laughs> a, a nation of, uh, of problematic nature at this time, this is an opportunity. You know, this is a That's time. Scary. That is scary. Yeah. As well. Wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, I don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of countries that have, uh, you know, problematic influence. Uh, it, there's an interesting thing going on in Africa right now with a lot of influence from China. There's a lot of kind of industrial, regional investment being made with these kind of propped up uh, governments throughout, you know, uh, the kind of Congo area, Central Africa, and kind of moving up north to Western Africa and stuff is, you know, and it's it's because China's got a lot of money, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of not, not, I wouldn't even say secretly because it's pretty broad based, but it's without a lot of checks and balances that they're coming in and they're taking over gold mines, diamond mines, uh, ore, and you know they're 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 kind of in the same boat as like Nestle and going in and 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 gathering up property of aquifers and 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 freshwater habitats, uh, and you know. This is a country that ultimately we do need to keep an eye on. And just that whole idea in general of the globalization of our markets and, and what, what role does the world have to play in, in governing these things? I mean, obviously, some of these places are um, sanctioned by the, the local state itself. But, you know, how much do we do to protect people who are being governed by you know corrupt states you know and so these foreign policy kind of things that we probably should be looking at and talking about we're not right now because we're we're having so much difficulty here in the united states and i i am one to think that you kind of have to split it 50 50 like you can't be all about yourself and you can't be all about the world somehow you have to kind of balance and i do think there's been some ignorance on the part of our own problems for a long time i mean uh, racism, homelessness, uh, jobs, and kind of the the decrease amount of manufacturing jobs and, and increasing the number of service jobs without actually paying people to be able to go to school and get retrained. Yeah, um, raising the minimum wage. You know? Yeah. That's and and so all those over. things come to a head in an election like this where you kind of do have one party, the Republicans, saying things like America first, and like you're saying, if you're in the coal industry, if you're in one of the, these kind of downtrodden industries or an industry that needs more reinvestment in order to kind of rebuild, you you see a light in Trump. And then if you're somebody who is dealing with racism or or 
you know, uh, any of the kind of social issue problems of, of homelessness or, or disease or mental illness or all these things that you might be aided by the programs that are supported by the Democrats. That's what you're seeing in this election, you know, and uh, and I think this positive in the sense that we do need to, you know, develop this country, move it forward, progress, get these kind of solutions that are actually long term. We have to look at housing as a everyone deserves it kind of problem similar to water and clean air. Uh, and at the same time, though, we have to have our bright minds and our and our influential people looking at the rest of the world and and being willing to stand up to, to dictators and um, and, you know, problematic governments um, throughout because, you know, it is only one planet. And as our science correspondent, I'm sure you know that, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're the, the, the fifth planet from the sun. <laughs> uh, come on. There was a whole show <laughs> built on third rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, and that's kind of where I, I want our country to continue to, to, to fix its own issues, but be able to extend, you know, I don't want that authoritarian colonialist kind of style of, of, of going around globalism, but I do want us to be able to address some of those problems. And, uh, and, you know, and I think education has a lot to do with it. And I think I think employment and activity and, um, you, you know, I mean, as far as our nation building credit goes, you know, I think we're oh for like 30. Um, so obviously the current techniques that we're using out and about, you know, putting our military as the first people is is not a good method. Um, true. But we love our dictators like we prop up dictators yeah. all the time. Like that's an all American thing. <laughs> yeah the fact that we yeah i have a quasi version of one here isn't that odd when you think about it right right yeah and uh anyway that's and i mean that was kind of that kind of dualistic nature of of what i think our 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 role is in the world i think it, it goes a lot to like what i did personally in school i studied politics i would look i didn't know if i wanted to do politics so small and close to me that I was working neighborhood by neighborhood because mm -hmm. I volunteered at multiple neighborhood organizations and learned about like what a community garden can do for a neighborhood, you know, putting a bulletin board on the corner of a, of a well-traveled kind of intersection, mm -hmm. what that can do for communication, um, opening a, a rec center, having a annual block party, you know, these kind of things are small and, and easy to, to produce but they can have lasting effects and um, they can create a better kind of identity in a community. But then at the same time, I took classes on uh, the structure of government in Turkey, um, Iran, you know, which is a fascinating country, a rich history, very intelligent. And yet, you know, all, all we hear about Iran is, is their um, connection to Hezbollah mm -hmm. and, you know, the Ayatollah revolution and you know it's 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 it, there's a lot of nuance to the reality of iran and countries like turkey and um and so in that sense like i myself am the problem of america like how much can i focus on my community but also my world and and where do i put my energies you know yeah i think yeah. the question you have to ask there is what outcomes do you want to achieve like and what outcomes do you want to achieve moment to moment what outcomes do you want to achieve short term what outcomes do you want to achieve long term like Right now, because we haven't really touched on the fact that like RGB died and now we have Amy Coney Barrett coming in 
um, and to make a 6-3 on the Supreme Court. But the Republicans have been putting in the groundwork to overturn Roe v. Wade for the last 40 years. They knew what outcomes they wanted moment to moment, short term and long term. And I can't say that a lot for a lot of other political movements, right? Like they were right. actionable. They were focused. They know we need to take over the small places and then we need to take over the big places. They knew how to grow a small thing into a big thing, right? And now we're ending the end of that. And I think like as a type of person that likes to model systems from people about what works and what doesn't, what things about like the Green New Deal do we need to do moment to moment? Like right now, I think that like we're not going to get manufacturing back, and I don't think we'll ever get to a point in America again where manufacturing will give you the ability to be one person in a home that can take care of the entire home. We're not there, but I totally understand why people who relied on that being in their status quo in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and probably part of the aughts want that back. But this is where with the Green New Deal, we need to say, okay, if you had this job in this economy, what job can you do in this economy. So like when it comes to, we know that coal plants are, or like coal mining things are closing down left and right, but they have decimated those mountains and decimated those areas, but we need people to close those things, right? So as a part of the Green New Deal efforts, the individuals who have worked in coal mines could also probably be the individuals that help close them up and help rebuild that environment to allow us to use that space in like, you know, in 15, 25 years as it would take time for that ecosystem to rebuild itself but that's one of the things we would right. need to go forward so i think the green new deal has a messaging problem but i know because i live in like privileged washington on the on the west side of things where i don't need to worry about like if desertification would happen on the east side of washington or like you know any of those things where if they like because a lot of the jobs there of like growing like growing weed and making wine and other maybe more industrial efforts you have to find a place for those individuals in the Green New Deal. And I do think it does exist. And But I think that we, I have to get more information on how we can communicate that to them. Because right now, we do live in a society where the only way for you to really generate income is have a job, be self-employed, own a business, or invest. And I do think we should move to a society that moves away from that. But that's definitely a long-term goal that needs to be broken down in actionable moment-to-moment steps um, that we need to see, like, what do we need to do first in order to get rid of, like, a system where the only way that you survive is to have a job? And where do we do to get um, away from a mindset that says the only way to survive is to have a job, right? Like, so, so, but, like, until we do have that transition moment, like, Nick said, like, we're going to need to figure out ways about having, like, jobs that not only play livable wages, but thriving wages. That way, if you do want the economy, at least in the short term, to be about the total overall consumption of individuals in the exchange of goods and services between those individuals, you're going to need to make sure that people have enough money to do that. And right now, not enough people have enough money to do that. That's true. Uh and before we get into our, our end of our topics, uh, my interruption, kind of playing on that, about livelihoods, thing that COVID-19 really took a bite out of is, and, and I kind of I mentioned a little bit in my community speech there, uh, the good old-fashioned open market, farmer's market. Do you guys like farmer's markets? I do. Love them. Yeah, they're great. I love farmers markets. I love them. I love them when they 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 get to kind of combine uh, the kind of artistic entities of a community 
with the production of, of food and goods. And then uh, sometimes there's even kind of like a flea market aspect to it. So you kind of got, and then, you know, there's usually forms of entertainment and, uh, and then the classic food carts are, are a big part of them. Uh, I just, I just want to say that, you know, COVID-19 has done a lot to kind of interrupt our, uh, our community kind of engagement in ways that, you know, we don't even really know how to reel in. Uh, I think the fact that most farmers markets around the country have been closed throughout this pandemic and the ones that have opened have opened on very strict terms. But even under those strict terms, you know, you're kind of missing out on what the, the idea of a farmers market is of like just hundreds or thousands of people kind of coming together into one area and intermingling, you know, and mm-hmm. seeing people and 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 addressing the products and the things that we like with the people who produce them. You know, I think that's another kind of key component to the, the farmer's market. Most of the time, the farmers themselves are the ones at the booths. Mm-hmm. You know, the people actually pulling the, the, the produce out of the ground are the ones selling it to you. And, and that disconnect that we have in our modern world is, is, is a big problem. And I think, you know, once COVID's gone and we can get these things open again, I think you're going to see a sense of like, resurgence in in people going to those things just a being able to go outside in a group of people but also being able to reconnect with these kind of local community based uh events and uh and you know so just to kind of like take a few moments to discuss the the positives um in in portland we had we had a, a farmer's market in almost every neighborhood and then we also had the kind of community art market called the uh, Saturday market, which is every Saturday oh, I love from that. March through Christmas. Yeah, and uh, and it and it's great, and it's it's a it's a collection of booths that are reasonably priced. Here in Seattle, we have the Fremont Market, which is a a merge of a farmers market with a with a an art art market, and then even does have a little bit of a kind of a flea market. Uh, bargain basement atmosphere and you're able to to talk to people who are collectors of things and kind of what got them into collecting those things what is the history behind those things you get to talk to people who are growing and producing food you have all these artisan quality uh kind of products like you know fresh made honeys and and hot sauces and jellies and chocolates and and you get a real connection and sense of like where our world would be if everyone could just kind of do what they love and then be able to present it to people on an economic financial way, you know, and, and it might not be a lot of these people's only job to produce chocolates for these markets and stuff, you know, maybe in the, the week they're working at a grocery store or they're, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or a nanny or, or who knows. But, um, it's just, it's, it's something that I miss in the, in the, in the pre COVID times I miss going and, you know, even when they were open, kind of limited basis, there wasn't like the samples weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. Like free samples aren't allowed to be given in Washington State because uh, they think it can spread germs because you have like open air cheese or something. But you know, I miss being able to sample things. I miss being able to talk to people about how they got into the the art or the the nature of the the product they have. But do you know how much I what? love strangers? I miss talking to strangers so much. Uh, I host karaoke. I miss karaoke. I miss doing trivia. We still do it online. Tune in in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I completely hear you. Okay. 
at a at an open market and like I know, I know you grew up on the east coast and i know you're from philly Chaz, uh what are some of your guys experiences growing up or here in seattle with the uh, open markets and uh even including like pike place for instance yeah because like oh. in philadelphia we had reading terminal market which was kind of like an indoor version of all of that like people like there's a lot of craftsmen there there's a lot of different um esoteric and a lot of like n- different I guess I should say foods that come from different areas and different cultures that were sold there as well, too. And then here in Seattle, there seems to be like a lot of farmers markets and open air things like in because I know yeah I've gone to the one in Fremont. Um, I know there's one in Ballard. Um, and then there's also, I guess, kind of to piggyback on that, too. I miss because I plan to like go out a lot more and start trying to meet more people in the summer because that's like when it's a good time to like go out and, like, if you want to, like, go out on dates with people or you want to have, like, large outdoor things. I was like, the summertime is when you should start that because a lot of things you can do are free and you can learn a lot of things. So that's what I miss, like, and and I guess, like, also going and seeing, like, the Seafood Fest in Ballard and seeing all the different seafood that people make and, and all the things that you can do in terms of that or being able to get, like, fresh produce if I want to try to find a new meal like with like green beans or, and then I swear, I don't know what happened with the Rainier cherry season this year, but I swear like usually it lasts three months and it was like a month and a half. I bought two bags and then I was like, where the fuck are my cherries? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the yeah. apples are looking what, good. What are your experiences in uh, the open air markets and what oh, do they have back in Jersey? Well, that's what I was just thinking about. Like growing up, like again, I'm one of eight kids, so. We didn't really go to too many farmers markets. It was like we just need to get shit in bulk, mm-hmm. and you know, we need to be able to get it up. And like farmers markets are like, um, we we also did a lot of frozen stuff too because mm-hmm. you know. So farmers markets, I loved them, um, but it didn't work for our family because we'd have to cook all those fresh ingredients like that day, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, when I came out west, oh boy, I I like had a reawakening in many ways. Mm-hmm. Like to think I became woke, um, and one thing was supporting local businesses, you know, rather than the, the big companies. Um, so that's really cool. And there was this one farmers market I went to where they had live music going on. Oh, nice! And this guy, this guy was just playing uh, the Crosby, Stills and Nash song, and I was like, "Well, you can't do that song solo." So I just jumped up there with them and sang the harmonies. <laughs> <At least that's laughs> <good>. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there there you go, <laughs> Nick. Nick, to support your small business or impose himself on your public performances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he, uh, he, he, so he was what down. we're saying is we never take Nick to folk life. Then, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean. You are right, because it's Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And then even beyond that, it's Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young. So, I mean, yeah. what are you going to do with one guy? I mean, yeah, one, you are you going to pick? Yeah. I don't uh, know. That, that's that my, I, I never stay in my lane when it comes to harmonies. Liz always says that. Like, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young at the same time. <laughs> it doesn't um, sound <laughs> well, shout out to our our local artisans and 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 the and the hardworking farmers that produce our food and uh, 
And shout out to you, people restricting uh, Chaz's cherries this year. He, <laughs> he's got your names and numbers, and he's looking for you. Uh, <laughs> Not yeah, really. <laughs> I look forward to uh, – to, to going back to farmers markets, supporting not only local businesses, but kind of micro local businesses, mm-hmm. you know, families and, stuff. and, uh, and intermingling, like you said, people watching, seeing strangers, you know, and then I liked what you talked about at the, the Reading one, the, uh, the exposure to different cultures, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's just through food or through clothing or, or music, you know, uh, that intermingling, that, that diversity of, of thought and art, and, yeah, it's really important. And so I, I, in these dark COVID times, I, I look forward to the, the reawakening and the, the times that we can spend in those open air markets. All right. Well, Chaz, we're coming down the stretch. What are some other points and things you wanted to make prior to our election day? Um, in one week? Like uh, one new concept that has been coming up with voting this year that I actually hope continues on um, at for voting to come is that like, Voting, like, usually there's voting day, like, on November 3rd or November 4th or whenever the second Tuesday or I guess, is it the first Tuesday um, in November comes up. It's always like, that's the day you go vote. And I remember back in 2016, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, no, I couldn't vote because I had work or I didn't vote because I was apathetic. Right. But or, or like after like about four years of doing this, like just like go out and vote. But don't be apathetic. Like it's not like right now. I feel like when it comes to political avenues, I because I believe because we weren't really taught to talk about it when we were younger and we wouldn't really talk about like what outcomes we want for ourselves, our community of like our local community. It could be our neighborhood. It could be our city. It could be our state. It could be the whole entire nation. But I hope now that we see like what a person can do when you become complacent about all of like the inner workings, like the corruption from our politicians, uh, um, not taking the time to vote out um, our senators that have been in office for 47 years, like Joe Biden, um, n- not in how many local um, elections go unopposed, right? What I hope after these four years, and at least what I see from numbers of like how many people have done early voting, how we've expanded early voting, oh, and and how that's happened, that 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 we make sure that people maintain their political engagement that they're having right now. That you do look and say like that you, like I've said before, have a political platform that you put focus and effort into getting out there. Now, I want to say I don't care what that political platform is, but I do care if it like is in opposition of what I want because what I want is principally, ultimately more utilitarian and I want it to be principally based on um, what I think will allow humanity to thrive um, for years to come until we get the ability to be a spacefaring community in order to outspace the... I guess the destruction of our planet due to our uh, yellow sun becoming a red dwarf. All right. If I'm being real about that. <laughs> um, right. And, and uh, if the things that we need to do uh, to get up there, but it starts with like renewable energy. It starts with changing the mindsets of people about like what d- does like, cause I look at this whole entire system now and I go like, yeah, Monday to Friday, nine to five, I'm working from home, but I know that I have to put X amount of hours in in order to get a paycheck. And then society tells me that I'm supposed to take this money and then give it to other um, income generating engines. So they have jobs for people that they are employed. Like, And I'm like, is that the best use of the human condition? Like, who the fuck thought this was a good idea? 
Like, and, and, and trying to get past that, maybe to the point where maybe this is like Star trek and their whole like Federation of Planets and a more socialist ideal. But ultimately, I want people who are listening to this to ask yourself and ask your friends, like, what is... Like, what it does it mean to optimize our humanity? Like, what is the human condition and how is it expressed? Are we expressing the wholeness of the human condition right now or are we stunted because we exist under the system? And if we are, what can we do to change it? That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I just say that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cliche statement, but if you're not participating, you have no right to complain. So... Mm-hmm. You know, left, left, right, or center. I, I, I want you to to get your voice heard, and I want you to support it, and I want you to at least listen to the conversation and the discussion of the people on the other side. Because even as someone on the left, there are there are lessons I can be learned, and and similar to what kind of Nick was talking about, talking to coal miners and things, to understand what their desires and their needs are. Because mm-hmm. if you break it down to the humanistic qualities of all of us that share this rock, you know food, shelter, safety, uh, water, you know, clean air. These are all things we need, you know, and then the kind of social construct things beyond that are the things that we need to discuss and develop and work on and, and be willing to adjust our positions at times. You know, let's not compensate our values and let's not, you know, put other people at risk for our own benefit. And, and let's recognize the nature of, of perspective and diversity and things and, and know that one thing that could be beneficial to you could be detrimental to another. Um, but, but definitely participate. And, and not only in the voting and not only in the rhetoric, but participate in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and let's remember that, that conversations evolve, that dialogues evolve, and that we need to continue to evolve our understanding and our and our purpose and not stay in these camps let's let's quit using the term extreme and pushing ourselves into these fringes and let's start looking not necessarily to all come back to the center i understand that there are values that we hold that are going to be separated by some distance but let's allow for the discussion and then let's also not murder the middle let's let people be in the middle at times and and you know as long as they stand by what they believe and, and, and are able to articulate it and aren't just kind of mindlessly going about being in the center. And I know to a degree being in the center sometimes votes for the opposing side because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not standing up, but let's, let's, let's see that there is nuance to everything in our world. And uh, going forward as this is our kind of pre-election episode, uh, you know, participate and, and don't hate you know, just because someone has a different view and maybe they vote for something that you don't believe in, don't hate them for that, but but listen to them and, and, and hopefully get into a, a constructive dialogue where maybe, just maybe, and like Nick was saying, not in such drastic terms like tomorrow, let's make change. Mm-hmm. Let's work on change. Let's work on getting this in, in the direction that we need. And, and to your point, you know, ultimately, yeah, let's, let's work together so that we can recognize we're all one planet. We need to become spacefaring. We need to get some of these minerals from these asteroids mm-hmm. in an efficient way. We need to populate the moon and the Mars and, and not destroy it in the way we destroyed our planet. And we need to kind of experiment with, with pushing beyond our boundaries and maybe, you know, something i've said multiple times on this podcast you never get an astronaut or cosmonaut or anyone who's been to space returning and not seeing the planet as one Mm. they all have the same perspective when they're up there 
which is holy cow, everything is connected, everything is one, the system is just one, it's a balance. It isn't these tiny little invisible lines that we draw throughout you know, continents to create nation states. Mm-hmm. It's all one system. And every single person, if we could experience that, if, the, if space travel became as easy as a cross-continental flight, I think you'd see a difference in the perspective people had about what the world is and, and how it affects everybody. So I'm going to jump off my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, that's good, brother. No, that's good. Uh, but uh, hey, Nick, we appreciate you, man. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, sorry it's been so long. Can I say uh, one last thing before we go? Yes, sir. Nope, sorry. Uh, cut his mic. Cut his mic. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, hopefully, it's a little bit of lev- levity. But Chaz was uh, mentioning, you know, uh, senators have been there for years and years and haven't gotten voted out. And I just want to preface this with saying I don't think it's funny to laugh at anybody's medical problems and stuff, but. Has anybody seen Mitch McConnell's hands? Oh, Lord. Guy, yeah. It looks like uh, Albus Dumbledore just touched the Horcrux or something. Good <laughs> bad for the guy. What's going on there? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't want to make any jokes about it, right? I, like, I, I'm, I, I did, though. Damn, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Like <laughs> Because I know my jokes would end up being offensive. And I know like there's a voice in my head that goes like, no, Chaz, don't be about that life. But um, yeah, I am. It is a little cool. sus. It is a little sus. Like, like you got bandages I, I heard, on there. I heard it's because he touched a mail-in ballot. That's what I heard. Oh, and and that's, that's, that's what I heard. I heard mail-in ballots give you that condition. Lord so, Jesus. you know. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we can't do mail-in voting. It destroys your hands. Oh, yeah, completely. You heard it here Thank first, you. folks. Yeah, stand in line. Don't worry about COVID. It's all a hoax. It's been cursed. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, and also the the electoral college sucks, but that's a whole other episode. So yeah, we'll we'll yeah. see what happens, guys. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> welcome back to another episode. Epstein did kill himself. Oh lord, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, Nick. Like I was saying, appreciate you coming on the show. Good to stay uh, safe and healthy. Uh, I might be able to join you guys for your trivia. Uh, as everyone knows, Nick and Liz Quiz is a, a local trivia uh, mainstay here in Seattle. And, and most recently, they've gone to Zoom. And uh, we appreciate your insight and coming on and, and say hi to Liz. Uh, and uh, and is you know, it will we'll get you back on here again. You know, uh, you know whether or not Trump gets elected, how you live in will continue. Yeah. That's, um, uh, there will always be politics to talk about. Oh, right? yeah. The cockroach is a podcast. The cockroach is a podcast. Nobody wants us, but we never die. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Uh, well, it's good being on, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah of no course. problem. Uh, as always, you can get a hold of the show at hylbox at gmail.com. That's hylbox at gmail.com. The email box for the show. You can get a hold of me directly at ctownmayor. That's S E A T O W N at mayor seatown <laughs> mayor at twitter.com because uh, i'm keeping track of the municipality on the coast Chaz, how can they get at you you can find me in the social media accounts that i really never post on at uh chaz baz on twitter chaz baz on the tiktoks and also chaz baz on the instagrams or if you want to watch me be silly and play video games you can always see me at fb.gg slash chaz baz gaming um yeah. but but other yeah, than that guys. But other than that, if there's one thing I can leave you with that I learned recently, I know a lot of times like we like to ask people why, um, because we want to know what happens. But 
I don't really. It's not really effective to ask a person why when you want to get to the bottom of a problem. So the next time you want to ask somebody why, try a what question or a how question instead and see what happens. Anyway, that's my soapbox. Exactly. Uh, appreciate you, man. Sorry, it's been such a, a you know a, a long uh, break for us. Uh, probably our longest in our four years. Uh, yeah, appreciate doing this podcast with you, man. We're going to be on our four year anniversary here in two months. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you're looking good boy. And I'm glad you ain't got that COVID. I mean, and, uh, I'm doing my best to stay safe, which is hard. And, cause, uh, cause and, I, you I, know, we'll, we'll circle a, a day in spring of 2022 to, to get together and do this. Again. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> much love. Chaz. Uh, much love ago. with that, we out. Peace. Peace. I went on the stand, told the judge, pass my cup. Hey, ran up 20 million, told the devil, keep the love, keep that, keep the hope. I'll be pop, keep the smoke. They slay, talk to me nicely, talk me nice, keep her on the chain. That ain't like-